Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 7, and we're recording on Tuesday, August 29th. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am looking forward to the Labor Day weekend. Oh my gosh, me too. I was just thinking about that today. I was like, I don't have any like specific plans, at least as of yet. And I'm kind of hoping that I don't have any just so I can chill out and potentially read all of the books. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't I don't have any major plans. Um, although on Saturday, and I don't know if you heard if you heard about this, but in Chicago, there's a pop-up bar that's themed around Stranger Things. Oh no. T- yeah, it's a pop-up bar in Logan Square, and it's only going to be here through the end of September, I think. Something like that. So on Saturday, um, my boyfriend and his sister and her boyfriend and I, I um, we were talking about doing a day in the city, and we're going to do brunch and then get early drinks at the Stranger Things-themed pop-up bar. And I am so excited. I can't oh, handle it. <laughs> I can't believe it. First of all, I'm very upset at myself that I didn't realize this was a thing happening in Chicago. And second of all, I might have have to also somehow make plans in the near future to t- check that out because I watch Stranger Things. I need to figure out which of my friends have also watched Stranger Things because they'll actually be interested in going to this thing. Yeah, it's you've got to Google this place and look at the the photos of how they've decorated it. They you you enter through I guess the entrance is like the Hawkins Energy Lab, and then there's a room that's that's like the living room that it's got it's got the painted letters and the Christmas lights up on the wall. And oh, I'm so excited. I mean, my boyfriend and I dressed up as uh, he dressed up as uh, Dustin, the kid with the with the crazy curly hair, and I yeah. dressed up as Eleven from. Uh, uh, for Halloween last year. So we are super into Stranger Things and I cannot wait. <laughs> wait, so I, I feel like I have a million questions right now, which is not, I'm sure people who are listening to this are like talk about mystery books, but hey, this is kind of related. Um, <laughs> is this connected to Netflix at all? Or is this just like a separate thing? Do you know? I think it's just a separate thing. Like the, I think it's this, I can't remember the name of the, the group that does it, but they, they do other themed pop-up bars. Okay. Um, and I think they just picked Stranger Things because season two is coming out in, uh, at the end of October. Um, and they've got, they've got, uh, a, a few different themed drinks there that you can get. Like they have a drink called the Demi Gorgon and there's a, there's a drink that you can, that you can get that's, that's like an 11 theme and it comes with a slice of Eggo waffle on the side of the glass. And I am so excited. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was just wondering, cause I knew that the new season was coming out soon. So I wasn't sure if like Netflix was doing a thing where they were doing pop-ups or to like, you know raise awareness slash bring hype the way they kind of did with the Gilmore Girls pop-ups that they did or if it was just like completely unrelated yeah I don't I don't think Netflix is involved with this one I think it's just you know a group that realized that hey this is probably you know something that would be really popular yeah so I'm I'm imagine it's going to be super crowded on Saturday but I cannot wait to go yeah even though even if we're drinking at like you know two in the afternoon but whatever it's Labor Day weekend (laughs) yeah I was like what else is Labor Day weekend for except for drinking at an extremely early hour (laughs) (laughs) okay all right so let's let's get into mysteries the real reason why we're here stranger things is technically a mystery so we were still on topic yes (laughs) we can go with that all right uh do you want to do the first sponsor 
Uh, yes, I will go ahead and do our first sponsor. Um, so the first sponsor for the podcast is uh, is The Blind by A.F. Brady. This is a psychological suspense debut novel that comes out on September 26th, um, which was actually a few days ago. So it is already out now. Um, but it is described as an addictive psychological suspense novel that takes readers into the psyche of a deeply disturbed woman who discovers that sometimes what's most terrifying is what exists in your mind. So the main character is Sam James. She's the top psychologist at this really challenging psychiatric institute in Manhattan, and she believes that if she can't save herself, she'll save someone else. And the savior complex that she has serves her well in helping her patients, but when a mysterious patient is admitted to the institution, Sam is determined to unlock his secrets and his psyche, but his twisted past leads to some terrifying discoveries about her own life, and so the mind games begin. This uh, The book is described as offering a fresh twist on psychological suspense because it's psychological suspense without any missing girls, which I can't remember if we've talked about it, but I know that's a common discussion about how the, the trope of the missing girl is becoming, is becoming kind of tiresome in a, lot, in a lot of these mystery novels. So if you're looking for something new, this would probably be a great read for that. It's described as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest meets The Luckiest Girl Alive. And the narrator um, is a self-destructing alcoholic character who can't entirely be trusted. If you enjoyed the narrative voice of Rachel from Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins, this will also probably appeal to you. So this, I mean, this just sounds super interesting. As soon as I read this description, I went, okay, adding that one to my list. (laughs) So uh, if you think this book is interesting as well, you'll have to pick up The Blind by A.F. Brady. A.F. Brady. It's published by Park Row Books, and it is currently available. All right. Um, So before we jump into the main topic for this episode, uh, we did want to do a little bit of follow-up news. Uh, Last week, we were talking about the Corman Strike series that's going to be on the BBC. um, And we were talking about like how it was going to air here in the United States. We weren't really sure. And we found out uh, that it's actually going to be airing through HBO here. HBO is the one who got the rights to the series. Unfortunately, there is no date as of yet in terms of when it's going to be airing. So there's definitely going to be a pretty significant gap between when it airs on the BBC and when it airs on HBO here, uh, which I kind of expected once I found out it was HBO because HBO also got the rights to Casual Vacancy, uh, the J.K. Rowling adaptation or J.K. Rowling adaptation. Uh, and so there, I think there was about a six month gap between when it aired in the UK and when it aired over here in the US. So I would assume that it would be a similar time frame, but you never really know when it comes to these things coming across the pond. But of course, at this point, I don't understand why it isn't just like, if it's a big enough deal or if it's a piece of like media that has enough interest why aren't we just showing it everywhere at the exact same time i yeah i'm not going to pretend like i know the intricacies of filming and and you know all the and international 
copyright law or whatever it is. I like I said, I have no idea, but I'm totally on board with you. I really want I want some Cormoran Strike on TV right now. And I know the first episode already aired overseas because I follow JK Rowling on Twitter and she was and she was talking about it. And I just felt like, you know, you see that sad person on the other side of the glass with their face <laughs> pressed up. I want in. I want to see this. So it is coming. I know, but I'll be much happier when there's a date. Yeah, I know. Same. I, it's so, I, this is just very much a specific to me sort of complaint, but that's currently airing in the uh, UK and the new Great British Bake Off season has started in the UK. And both, I was like, you know, you could have just saved one of them for later. So that way I wasn't completely inundated with how much television I'm not able to consume because I live in the United States. But I guess shouldn't be really complaining since the United States creates most of the like English speaking content right now that's distributed here around here. So I guess, you know, I can't really complain since we usually get first dibs. But, you know, I just I just want it now. I'm like Virk Assault in Willy Wonka <laughs> with me. My British adaptations. <laughs> well, don't worry. I, I have not seen The Great British Bake Off. I know, I know, Travesty, but I know a lot of people who are really into it. So I'm, I know that they are feeling your pain. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was just like the quick update that we wanted to give you guys just in case you were wondering about when the series was going to come over to the US. There's no specific date yet, but it is coming through HBO eventually. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, so the main discussion that we wanted to talk about today is related to a news article that uh, was passed around a little bit a couple of weeks ago, I believe, at this point. I think the story, yeah, the story originally came out in the New York Times uh, in mid-August, um, and it's about this Chinese novelist who was arrested for this major murder that happened back in 1995. Um, so the basic story behind this is that there's this Chinese author named Liu Yang Bio who wrote this book called The Guilty Se Secret in 2010. Um, and he writes like mystery thriller books. Uh, but then it came out relatively recently that he was actually involved in what the New York Times reported was bludgeoning four people to death 22 years ago, which is insane. And so we were reading about, I'll have links to all this article as well as a couple of other things that we're going to be talking about here today in the show notes. Uh, but this article basically just brought about this idea of real life like mysteries or mystery writers who are attached to like real life mysteries and thriller sort of events and just how more common it is than you would think it would be. <laughs> I mean, at least that's how I feel about it. Like every time one of these stories comes up, I'm always like really surprised at the connection that these mystery or thriller writers have to like real life mysteries and thrillers. Yeah, it's it feels almost cliche at this point, yeah. even though it's real life. But it's at some point, um, you know, it it just it just feels like it, it the truth is stranger than fiction, honestly. And I'm skimming through the 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 article and and I correct me if I'm wrong, because I think there might have been a couple um there might have been there might have been a couple of articles, but I feel like I read with this with this story that the author, after yeah, I guess it would have been after he committed the murders, he wrote a book in which the main character is an author and gets away with murders or something like that. 
I don't see it in the in the article that we that we're going to be putting up on the on the show notes or the one that we have linked in our in our notes. I'll have to take a look, but I feel yeah, like that no. was something I read. Yeah, no, it is. Um, it says in there that uh, in the I guess in the preface to his novel that came out in 2010, he wrote, it says he expressed his desire to write a suspense filled detective story about an alluring female writer who dodges arrest despite committing a string of murders. All right. So, I, so I guess art imitates life or life imitates art or one of the two. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's one of those situations where you're like, were you like, I, part of me wants to read the book just to see like how close to reality it is. It probably isn't that close to reality. It's probably just that single detail that's similar. But sometimes I read stuff like that and I'm like, was this supposed to be like therapy for you? Were you secretly confessing through this book? Like what's going on here? It's like that that book that O.J. Simpson wrote called Oh my if, gosh. If I did it, except the Ugh. if is very, very tiny, and so it just looks like it says I did it. Yeah. On the front cover. Yeah, that's that's what I'm I was like, is this one of those things? Um but when when we were reading this, I think it was yeah, I think it was Liberty who posted this and I and that immediately got me thinking. And one of the one of the more famous or well known, but yes, I get I guess not as well known. I don't know. Um one of the other stories that jumped to my mind when we we're talking about mystery authors and convicted of murders is Anne Perry. And I'm guessing that listeners right now are either going, oh, yeah, I heard about that, or, oh, my God, what is she talking about? So if anyone does not know, Anne Perry is a super, super mega famous uh, mystery author. She writes a, uh, a lot of historical mysteries, or um, I, I can't remember. She's got a couple of different series going, and for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the two different characters. I know her first book was The Cater Street Hangman. I remember that. That was written in the 70s. And in the early, I want to say it was the early 2000s, from what I'm remembering, from what I read, Anne Perry, it was revealed that Anne Perry went, uh, was not her actual name. Her actual name was Juliet Holm. I'm not sure how exactly you pronounce that, but... Juliet Holm was actually she she lived in New Zealand as a child and she as as a young girl I'm guessing maybe teenage like young teenager maybe she and her friend were convicted for the murder of her friend's mother back in the 50s I believe it was and this kind of came out in she she had she served her time in prison she was convicted she served her time she was released and then she kind of, you know, set about trying to make a new life for herself after this. And this came out in the, it says 2000s, um, but the article that I was reading also said that the 1994 movie Heavenly Creatures, which was directed by Peter Jackson, who also lived in New Zealand, the movie covers the events of the murder and the and the subsequent trial, so that generated a lot of renewed interest in the case, and ultimately that led to Anne Perry's past past life essentially being discovered. But the the basic what my what basically happened, and it sounds like it was this really really intense, complicated murder and investigation and trial, she became really, really intensely close friends with this girl named Pauline at school. And 
after Juliet or Anne Perry's parents uh, split, uh, she was supposed to leave for South Africa. And she's supposed to leave New Zealand for South Africa. Pauline asked her mother if she could go with them because she and Juliet were very, very close. Her mom said no. And so the girls plotted to kill Pauline's mother. And then in June 1954, they did. They, I think they used a, I think they said like a blunt instrument to the back of the head while their mom was out for, while the mother was out for a walk. But they were they were caught they were put on trial it was this really sensational case there were all these theories going around that they were insane that they were diabolical there was the article that that I was reading that we'll have a link to in the show no- show notes said that in one of the accounts of the case they were, they were speculating that this was because that the girls were lesbians because this was 1950s and so it was just this there's so much going on and Ultimately, each girl served five years in prison and then was released. So, I mean, the case in and of itself is just banana pants. And it's and even in it's even more banana pants when you realize that this is that this happened to, you know, a mega, mega best selling author. And but for me, it also, and this is where I'm going to kind of pull in the, the kind of deep philosophical questions here, it, it makes you question, like, who do we as a society forgive for, for crimes? Who, do we, who ultimately gets a pass and we say, okay, you're allowed to go back to, you know, you're, or you're allowed to for, create a new life for yourself, you know, you served your time, you, you were young, you know, who, how do we decide who who's forgiven and who's not, how much time does it have to take place? You know, does the fact that this happened in 1954 in on another continent entirely, or another country, another continent, does that factor into the fact that, you know, she's, she's, even after this information came out, it did not wreck her career. She is still a very much a best-selling author. So it, for me, it was bringing, it made me think about, you know who do we who do we pass judgment on as a society and why? So lots of lots of interesting things going on here. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't really think about the fact that Anne Perry is still like a best-selling author despite the fact that this horrible crime took place in her previous life. Part of me wonders if, like, one whether or not people actually know this because I didn't know this uh, previous to like when you put that this article um, or you pick this article to talk about. But part of me is also just like, are we able to almost separate it in our heads because this, she has like a completely different name or she's writing under a completely different name? Like, are we able to almost separate it? But of course there are plenty of situations of like famous people who get away with things uh, or who have done horrific things and they are still like revered as being great artists or athletes or whatever it is. So who knows? Yeah. And it's and it also the the and again I have not looked extensively into into this case. There was um, a book written about Anne Perry called "The Search for Anne Perry" by Joanne Drayton. It was mentioned in the article, although that was it wasn't really like a true crime expose. It was more of a literary biography, but it did go into the it did go into the the crimes and what happened. So if you're interested in reading more, that might be an interesting place to start. But I'm wondering with the themes that I was reading of, you know, she formed this intense friendship with her friend, 
I'm wondering if there were issues of power dynamics at play, if the one girl, if the her friend convinced her to do this. And then that made me, to use a more modern example, which I think I, I mentioned briefly on here before, the attempted Slenderman, Slenderman killings in, uh, was it, no, it wasn't Madison, was it Waukesha? Yeah, somewhere in, yeah, somewhere in, in Wisconsin. Yeah, it was in um yeah, in southernish Wisconsin where the two where the two girls, yeah, it was two girls uh conspired to stab their friend as a sacrifice to the fictional character of of Slenderman, which is an online meme has its own like online mythology, but they believed it was real and so they cons- they conspired to kill to kill their friend. They were ultimately unsuccessful and their their friend survived, but that is still a, you know, that is still an ongoing case that that brings up a lot of these same these same emotions. So yeah, kind of kind of an interesting parallel. Um and again, like I said, I don't have all the information, well, obviously, but I haven't done a whole lot of extensive research, but there's there's a lot going on here. And and like you said, not a lot of people know about it. I didn't I didn't know about it until a couple of years ago when someone at the library where I work with one of our patrons who's a big Ann Perry fan, I think she I think she was the one who said, "Hey, did you know that this happened?" and my coworkers and I were like, "No, we did not know that." So, Lot to lot to dive into there is is my I think is the ultimate is the ultimate point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Um so yeah, we have a couple of other quick little stories that we wanted to also talk about. There are a couple of other situations like this, not quite the same, but kind of related. Uh one of I think the more well known ones is Lois Duncan. She was a writer back in like the 70s through I believe the 80s I I somewhere I know for sure she published her books in the 70s uh, her big books that were adapt adapted into like TV shows and movies and whatnot were like Hotel for Dogs um, I know what you did last summer which I didn't realize was an adaptation until when I was looking up all this information on Lois Duncan uh, but she apparently wrote the thriller um, Summer of Fear and then Killing Mr. Griffith was made into an adaptation I believe it was made into a TV show. Um, which I don't think aired very well or for a very long time. Um, But it was also adapted into the movie Teaching Mrs. Tingle, uh, which was obviously a loose adaptation on the book. Uh, But yeah, she was well known in like the 70s for writing all of these thrillers and they were basically like young adult thrillers. So she was kind of one of the first young adult thriller writers in that genre, especially since at that point, young adult isn't a super huge genre. Um, But basically her daughter was killed in, I believe 1989. Um, Yes. She, her daughter was killed in 1989 and she was shot while in a car and Originally, it was considered sort of like this unsolved murder. Um, The police were looking into it and they couldn't really figure out what was going on. They thought it was just like a random drive by shooting. But Lois Duncan was convinced that it was it felt like too calculated and there were too many details in there um, that it couldn't have been just like a random drive by shooting. Like there was she knew that there was something or she just like felt or could tell that there was more going on. And so she ended up basically doing her own like investigations and like talking to friends. Um, She ended up publishing a book in 1992 called Who Killed My Daughter, which was actually my first exposure to it. Um, I read this book 
probably at an age that was way too young to be reading this book because in like the mid 90s, I was only like 10 maybe. Uh, But I ended up reading this book. I think like my sister or someone had it in the house and I ended up picking it up just because I picked up every book that was in the house. And I read this book and I was completely just like enraptured by the story. Um, Yeah. So basically her daughter was shot. The police still continued to say that it was a random shooting. Um, But then there are details in this book that come out about um, her daughter's boyfriend and some connections that they might have had to a Vietnamese gang who are running an insurance fraud and a drug operation. And she believes that her daughter was killed uh, because of being tied up sort of in that situation. She doesn't say that like her daughter was necessarily involved, but she's pretty sure uh, her boyfriend at the time was. And it was probably one of the gang members who ended up killing uh, her daughter. But the police literally never did anything. They considered it a completely random, uh, killing and she continued throughout the years to advocate for this case and to do her own investigations. Um, She ended up publishing another book in 2013 uh, that had just more information about what had happened. Um, She basically just did her own detective work to try to figure out what had happened. Unfortunately, Lois Duncan passed away, I believe in 2016. um, And I don't think there was ever any change in terms of convictions or anything like that. Um, But if you read these books, I've read Who Killed My Daughter. I didn't read the sequel to it, um, but it's a completely heartbreaking, but also completely compelling story. And it's one of those things that seems like it shouldn't be real because there are all of these details that like being part of a Vietnamese gang running an insurance fraud sounds like something that you would read like in a synopsis and be like, that sounds too stereotypical. Uh, But it's a real thing that actually happened. And it's a completely heartbreaking thing. And especially when the police don't do anything to help or they're for whatever reason, refusing to believe um, the evidence that she was able to pull forward um, to be able to solve the case. Like it's unknown whether or not, They just didn't feel like doing anything or if they just didn't believe her or what. Uh, But it seems like this is just going to be one of those cases that's forever really unsolved because there's no real way to connect them um, anymore. So, yeah, it's a really, really heartbreaking story. And I would actually really recommend reading Who Killed My Daughter if you haven't heard about this before. Um, I believe that there was also like a. The, the TV show Unsolved Mysteries, I believe that there was an episode based around this one as well, which I know uh, brought the case to a lot of people's awareness. But yeah, it's a really just crazy, crazy story that you can't believe is real. Yeah, I knew again, I I briefly knew about it because I had seen the book Who Killed My Daughter at the library. And I, I recognized the name Lois Duncan because I, I think I read I Know What You Did Last Summer in seventh grade or something like that. Um, if if you are considering reading that book, let me just say it's very different from the movie. So don't <laughs> don't go into it thinking that it's going to be the movie with the hook man. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I didn't know the details, the, the Vietnamese gang and the insurance fraud. When you're talking about that, I'm going, is this for real? <laughs> like, and so now I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to add that one to my list now because, you know, I'm obviously, you know, unsolved cases, especially when it's, you know, the person's family member, really heartbreaking and oddly fascinating in a voyeuristic kind of way. But then you add in all these other elements and, and yeah, now, now all of a sudden you've, you've got something like, like the phrase I used before, stranger than fiction. Yeah. 
And yeah, that okay. I'll I'll definitely have to go back and read that. Also, I didn't. I either forgot or did not realize that she died recently, like within the last year or so. And when you said that, I was sitting there going, "Oh, that's so sad." Yeah. So, um, and then my final contribution to this, you know, pulling together mystery authors that are involved with uh, in real life crimes, probably the most most famous one that most people know about. Anne Rule and her connection with the infamous serial killer Ted Bundy. So Anne Rule, back in the early 70s, before she became the queen of true crime that she was known for for most of her career, she was a, she was a reporter, but she also volunteered one night a week with, it, with a suicide, suicide crisis hotline. And she, so she volunteered, I think, yeah, I think one night a week, pulled an overnight shift. And one of the volunteers that she worked with was Ted Bundy. This was Ted Bundy before he started killing those people, but she became friends with him. You know, they're not, maybe they weren't best friends, but they, they kept each other company. They talked outside of the, outside of the room where they worked. They would get lunch together. You know, they were pretty close friends. And then a few a few years later, she started. She actually was she was the she was a crime reporter for her newspaper, and she started investigating the deaths of these women that were that were occurring in the area. That, spoiler alert, unbeknownst to her, were being committed by Ted Bundy. And as the investigation went along, she kept hearing details. Someone said mentioned. Uh, it got out that the sus- that the suspect that they were looking for went by the name of Ted, and all of these other details that she couldn't quite that they they started ringing a lot of alarm or a bunch of small alarm bells in her head, and she went to the police and said, "I don't know if this is any if this is actually anything, but it might be this person that I know." And the police did not get around; to, or her tip kind of got lost in the in the shuffle. Um, and she remained friends with him and still, you know, she still saw him. They went out to lunch. I think she took him to lunch on one of the, one of the days that, I don't remember if it said on his, it was on a trial day or something as the investigation proceeded and he became, you know, a noted person of interest and, and then was, was brought to court or was brought in for questioning. Like she went out to lunch with him and because he, he was her friend and she ultimately tried to, after he was convicted, she tried to arrange for his confession, tried to get him to confess to her so that he could, that she could help him avoid the death penalty, which did not happen. He was, uh, he, he was put to death, I think in 1989, around that time. If not, if not then, then early, then early nineties. But, um, ultimately she wrote what would, what would become her most famous book, which was called The Stranger Beside Me. And it's both a, it's both an account of Ted Bundy's crimes and it's an account of her friendship with him and how, and how difficult that can be to, obviously to try and reconcile those those two facts you know how do you how what do you do when you find out that one of your one of your close friends is is a serial killer i mean it's again sounds sounds like it's like you wouldn't believe it if you read it in fiction but it happened in real life this the i've i've read the book um i read it a few years ago i think and this this book is very very interesting it's it's intense 
it's creepy because, you know, Ted Bundy, he killed, I think, 30 plus women, something like that. He was, you know, he was a really noted criminal because he seemed like such a normal guy, such an, an he was a, a handsome, easygoing, likable guy. You would, you know, you would think he was just, you know, someone that you could easily spend time with, but underneath it, he was this really, this really cunning, chilling murderer. And so you get both sides of him in this book. You get the Ted Bundy that she knew personally and the Ted Bundy that she ended up investigating and writing about. So it's, it's a, it's a long book. It's, but it's, it's well worth, it's well worth a read. It's very much, it's a very humanizing look at a, at what you would think would easily be, you know, someone to characterize, uh, to dehumanize and characterize him as a monster. And she really humanizes him and really brings her own personal story into this. So, again, this this one is, there's no secret. Everyone, most of, most of Anne Rule's readers know that she, that she knew Ted Bundy. But, yeah, if you haven't read the book yet, I do, I do really recommend that. It, it is a very interesting read. But that, that one, I, I think, I mean... That that one's kind of kind of kind of takes the cake for me. It's like, well, I'm I was friends with a serial killer. Like, not much you can say after that. Yeah, I don't even know what I would do in that situation if that was me. Like, if I found out that my someone I knew was a serial killer, like, unless it's someone who I was like, yeah, you're really creepy sometimes. Like, uh, outside of that, I don't know. I, I like I'm thinking of like I'm I haven't read the book, so I don't know exactly. But I'm assuming she just thought of him like she thinks like we think of everyone in the life in our lives around us um and yeah I don't know I don't know what I would do in her situation yes yeah, so, although and now I'm thinking about it I'm like do I have to start you know side-eyeing my friends and be like wait a minute okay and I know you but what are you really hiding so um don't don't do that if you read the book don't start side-eyeing friends and neighbors without without justification I'm not advocating for that Oh gosh, we're going to get some emails. No. I take no responsibility for that. All right, on that note, <laughs> let's go on to our second sponsor for the episode. Um, so our second sponsor is Book Riot, and it is the Unusual Suspects newsletter. Uh, depending on how you've heard about this podcast, there's a chance that you just kind of came across it on iTunes or whatever podcast player you utilize, or you may have heard people talking about it somewhere. Uh, but we are part of a larger website called bookriot.com, which you hear us talk about at the top and usually bottom of every episode. Um, and Book Riot puts out newsletters, and they have a bunch of them related to a bunch of different genres. And so the one we are talking about is obviously the mystery and thriller newsletter. Um, this one comes out once a week. It comes it's written by another contributor named Jamie, who we have talked about in a number of episodes because she reads just all of the books, uh, but she especially reads all of the mystery and thriller books. And so she does a really great job of curating a lot of different information uh, related to mystery and thriller books, um, but also just adjacent topics as well. She sometimes talks about like adaptations or just in general, different mystery and thriller, maybe TV shows or movies that she's been really interested in. Uh, she talks about new books that are coming out or just uh, interesting ones that she's read recently. Uh, she also sometimes provides like some Kindle daily deals or like the monthly deals. If she comes across um, some really good ones, she'll sh share that in the newsletter as well, which I personally find to be both helpful and harmful for my wallet. <laughs> 
but yeah, if you are interested in getting the newsletter, like I said, it only comes out once a week, so you won't get inundated with information, but I think it's a really useful resource if you are really into mystery and thriller books, uh, which if you are listening to this podcast, we I think we can safely assume that you are. Um, you can head over to bookriot.com slash newsletter dash sign up. Um, let me say that again since I messed it up. Bookriot.com slash newsletter dash sign up. Sign up is one word. Um, and you can sign up for that newsletter as well as any of our other newsletters. There are little descriptions about each of them so you can see if any of the other ones tickle your fancy. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend signing up for the newsletter. It's fantastic. I love getting it every week. Yes, I second that. And uh, I can't remember if it was mentioned. This The newsletter is called Unusual Suspects. Um, which we've got a book ride has like Rincey said, book ride has a bunch of newsletters. So you'll want to look for, I mean, sign up for all of them because they're all awesome. But the mystery and thriller one specifically is unusual suspects. And Jamie knows what she's talking about. I've looked at, I've used, I think I've used her newsletter when we've been looking, looking for stuff for the podcast. I'm, I've been using her newsletters as a resource. She is fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely second that because I've definitely <laughs> I've definitely hit her up on a, a number of occasions and being like, I need a recommendation or I have a question about mysteries and thrillers. And she's pretty good at getting you the answer. So, yeah, definitely recommend that newsletter. All right. So we'll I'll jump into new releases coming out um, either this week or next week. New releases to keep on your radar. First one, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't really think you need to go into too much detail with this one. Louise Penny's latest book is coming out is Glass Houses. Uh, comes out this week. Well, technically today, which is the day of the recording, but it will have been out by for a few days by the time you're listening to this. It is, uh, oh Lord, I've lost track of how many books are, are in this series, but it's part of the Three Pines series with Armand Gamache in, in Canada, in Quebec, and the I really I don't really think I need to say much more than that other than Louise Penny's got a new book out. So if you're a Louise Penny fan, you probably already knew about it. But if you if you're kind of wondering about Louise Penny, she's got a brand new book coming out. So see, make sure to get on top of that and put it on hold at your library or run off to Barnes and Noble or whatever you might do. Um, so that is coming out. Also this week is this really interesting book that I had never heard about, but immediately had it, had to add it to my list. It's called Valley of Terror by Zhu Haohui. I totally butchered that name. I do apologize. But the anyway, the book, like I said, it's called Valley of Terror. And it's, it's about this mysterious fear disease that is literally scaring to death the citizens of Longzhou in China. And the victims either go insane or they die frozen in terror while survivors start ranting and raving about demons infiltrating the, uh, infiltrating the city. But what's really behind this epidemic? So you have a you have Chief Inspector, the main character, Chief Inspector Lu... Lu Fei, and they team up and team up with a controversial historian and a psychologist to track down the true source of the illness and the this this fear that is literally killing the killing the citizens of the city, and so it they take it takes them through the jungles and the mountains and 
haunted myths from the 17th century of the 17th century general whose demonic soul has been sa- has been said to have been sealed away in a vial of his blood so it's to me this this just feels like a blend of mystery and straight up horror which is so much in, which is so firmly in my wheelhouse i cannot handle it and this it's it's got superstition it's got science it's got mystery it's got history it's got paranormal it's all this stuff blended into one so again that book is called Valley of Terror by Zhu Haohui and that book uh is also was also released this week so you should be able to get a copy of that by the time you listen to this podcast and then for next week we've got a couple of a couple of books in uh, continuations of, of series. We have the third book in the Cop Sisters series, the by Amy Stewart. The this new book is called Miss Cop's Midnight Confessions, and this is if you remember the book Girl Waits with Gun or Lady Cop Makes Trouble. This is all part of the same series, and this the series is based on the Cop Sisters who were. Again, I really should have written this down, but the they were the first female pol- police officers. They were the first female law enforcement uh, law enforcement people in in their in their town in the early 1900s. And this book looks at there's a, a wave of these young women that are being brought into the into the town jail on charges of waywardness and more and lack of morals and just these really strong intelligent women that are basically being put into jail because they're not behaving like women should and the deputy deputy sheriff Constance Cop is is outraged to to see these women brought into the jail but her sister um what well, she she starts she really starts advocating for these women but her sister really kind of puts her beliefs to the test and makes her think about her own ideas of how, what a young woman should and should not do particularly in this in this time in this time period which again is like 1915 1916 era so it's set against it's got a set against world war one it's got issues of women's role in society uh true story of like i said the cop sisters although now that i'm pronouncing it i'm wondering if it might be cope sisters (laughs) so i apologize for pronouncing that wrong but this is so this will be the third book in the series and that is Miss Cops or Miss Cope's Midnight Confessions by Amy Stewart, and that comes out next week. Look for that after Labor Day. And then finally, we have the next book in the Lady Sherlock series by Sherry Thomas, and that book is A Conspiracy in Belgravia, and that also comes out next week. This is the second book in the Lady Sherlock series, I do believe. And it takes the it takes the mythos of Sherlock Holmes and really turns it on its head by making the character of Sherlock Holmes a woman named Charlotte Holmes, who goes by Sherlock Sherlock Holmes as an alias. And she is asked to she is asked by this woman to find this man who has gone who has gone missing. And Charlotte, there's issues of 
loyalty and kind of conflict of interest because the woman who's asking her to help help find this is a benefactor of Charlotte's. And then Charlotte realizes that the missing man that she's looking for is Myron Finch, her half-brother. So she has to deal with this. She, she has to deal with this investigation, her personal connections to the investigation. And then on top of that, she is dealing with a, with a surprising marriage proposal. There's a mysterious man who's wooing her sister. There's an unidentified body that shows up. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And so this is, like I said, this is a continuation in the Lady Sherlock series. If you enjoyed the first one, I oh, is it? It's a study in Scarlet Women. Study in Scarlet Women. Thank you. I knew Scarlet Women was part of it. I have not read it yet, but I know that there are. I know there are a ton of readers that are really into the series. I think Jamie's one of the one of the people who's who's been strongly advocating for for the Lady Sherlock series. So again, that is A Conspiracy in Belgravia by Sherry Thomas, and that comes out next Tuesday on September. Yeah, there's, as usual, a lot of books uh, coming out that sound amazing. And actually, it's funny because two of these books are related to my currently reading soon-to-be-starting list. Uh, So I'll just jump right into that so you'll hear about that. Um, So the first book that I finished um, over the past couple of weeks was Final Girls by Riley Sager, which uh, if you've been listening to this podcast consistently, you have heard us talk about on multiple occasions. Uh, Katie finished it, I believe, in the last episode, right? I, yes, I can't remember if I fi- if I talked about finishing or not. Um, really quickly, I did finish it, and it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was really fun. And I think you were one of the people who told me to like pick up this book because I was in kind of a weird reading mood. And I she I remember you saying that it's basically just like a really fast paced, fun book, which it definitely is. Um, in case you haven't heard of this book yet, uh, just a really quick synopsis. You are basically following uh, this girl who, uh, when she was in college, I believe she was part of this massive massacre, um, or not massive, but like her and her friends were out in a cabin in the woods for her friend's birthday and everyone was killed except for her. Um, and then she becomes what's basically like a final girl, which is like this trope in horror movies and whatnot, like the final survivor, um, when these like giant killings happen. And so it's her as well as two other girls who have also been through similar situations where, um, there was a group of people and they were all killed and they are just the only ones who are left um and then at the beginning of the book one of the other final girls named lisa she um was probably the most well known out of the three of them she and ends up being found dead um they originally think it might be suicide but then it turns out that obviously there might be something more going on and so it's this question of is someone out to get the final girls is what's really going on. It also just explores like sort of what happens after, you know, you think of like these horror movies and then like the closing credits come where this single person is found by the police. Um, And so it's sort of like, what is life like after these massive things happen? Um, So yeah, I finished it really recently and I really enjoyed it as well. I will say that uh, the one recommendation I will give to people is if you're going to read this book, try to read it during a period when you have a lot of free time because I started reading this on like a Tuesday night um, and then I was very mad at myself because I had things like work and so I couldn't really (laughs) pick it up for like the rest of the week until like the weekend and then I finally like sat down with it on like I remember like Friday night, Saturday, just like pushing through the whole thing. Um, So yes, give yourself like a weekend 
maybe Labor Day weekend. So if you have some free time, this would be a great one to pick up because you want like sort of big chunks of time to really dive into this book because I think that's sort of like when it's best experienced. So yes, not like carve out some time in your schedule for this book. It's worth reading, but yeah definitely make sure you have that free time. I yeah, I will second that I started reading it late at night on a work night and immediately was kicking myself because I was hooked within 10 pages. And then I realized that it was 1130. And I still had to get ready for bed and take my shower and everything. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, what did I do? And then I'm like, Okay, can I shower in the morning? You know, how late can I really (laughs) stay up and read this? But you definitely want to have a couple of lengthy sittings where that you can just plow through this book. Yeah. Don't make our mistakes. Don't read this on work nights or school <laughs> nights, depending on what what part of life you're at. Um, so yeah, that was the first book I finished. I actually finished two books in the past two weeks, which was amazing for me because I haven't been reading a lot lately. Uh, but the other book I read was Yesterday by Felicia Yap, which I believe we also talked about on the podcast because I'm pretty sure I heard about this because we were talking about <laughs> it on the podcast. Um, so this is a pretty new release. Um, it takes place in sort of like a parallel universe where um, it takes place in the United Kingdom and there is this sort of genetic thing that happens to people at this point in time where they're there's a class of people named monos and a class of people named duos and the monos are only able to remember sort of like 24 hours um, of their memories and then the duos can remember up to 48 hours and so basically like their short-term memory is messed up and so you can either remember one day back or two days back um and then so everyone sort of has like diaries that they write down everything that happens every single day and then they read through the diary so that way like the information is saved into basically their long-term memory and then it becomes sort of things that they can actually remember again um And so because there are these two different types of people, they're separated into two classes. Duos are considered obviously like more intelligent and smarter and a higher class of people because obviously they can remember more information. Um, And there is this like major separation between the two classes, but you're following this couple. Uh, The wife is a duo and the husband is a mono um, and they end up getting married and the husband decides that he wants to go into politics. He's also like a really well-known writer. Um, And then one day there is this woman who is found in the river um, and it turns out that the woman is someone who the husband was having an affair with. Um, So it's partially about sort of this domestic thriller sort of situation, but it's also about like solving a crime when people have like limited information available to them. Um, In the story, you're also it follows like multiple perspectives and you're also following uh, the police officer who's investigating the case and he and police officers are generally duos uh, for obvious reasons so they can remember more information but this he is a mono uh, disguising himself as a duo Uh, so that's a really interesting sort of wrinkle into the story Um, I will say it was a little bit disappointing in this book just because the world building isn't quite enough it sort of it was trying I think it was trying to do too much in one book uh, with sort of this parallel universe. The world building wasn't quite as enough and the mystery wasn't quite as enough. I feel like it fell onto a lot of like stereotypes and tropes. Um, this isn't like the worst book ever. It's still a really fast paced, interesting story. And I really wanted to know sort of what was going to happen in the end. Um, so if the concept sounds interesting, I definitely can say like you can give it a try. Um, but I wasn't like super excited about this one at the end of the book. I just 
felt like there should have been more. Like I wanted it to be expanded out more um, and for the author to explain a couple of more things. There are a lot of really interesting like winks and nods to the real world because things like the diaries that they use to remember um, their days are called I diaries and they're created by Apple and it mentions like Steve Jobs and things like that. And um, there are a lot of like real life things that sort of ground that world. So it's interesting to see sort of how she incorporates like our real world into this fictional world and things like that. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't say like 100% pick up this book, but it was definitely an interesting concept. I can say that for sure. And then um, so that if you could tell those books were not related at all to the new releases. So the what is happening with what I'm going to pick up next is I just have all of the books and I'm not completely sure what I want to pick up next. And especially since it's Labor Day weekend, I feel like in my head, I'm going to read all the books. If I'm actually going to read all the books, we have yet to see. Um, so I actually got Girl Waits with Gun, uh, the first book in the Amy Stewart series um, from the library. I've been on hold for this book for a while now and it finally came in. So I pretty sure that one's going to get read if only because I'm really interested in the series I've been hearing a lot of really good things about it um, and I've just been wanting to check it out and since the library hold finally came in it seems like a good chance to do so um, so there's a pretty good chance I'm going to read that one um, I've also been thinking about picking up Since We Fell by Dennis Lehane which came out earlier this year um, I've owned this one for a couple of months now and I it's just sort of been like staring at me so I feel like it, it might be about time and I know that one's supposed to be a little bit slower um, and a little bit different than most Dennis Lehane books and so I've been hearing relatively mixed things about it so I think I'm gonna possibly give that one a read um, just so I can finally have my own opinions on it um, and then the third book I'm potentially going to read is the first book in the Lady Sherlock series which I didn't originally have planned to talk about um, it's a study in Scarlet Women uh, that's why I knew the title off the top of my head but when I saw that the new one was coming out so soon like I knew that there was a new one coming out this fall but I didn't realize it was already coming out so I kind of want to give that one a chance so that way I can read the new one as well uh, but yeah that's like three books and I don't know if I'm actually going to read all of those but those are my potential options right now I believe in you you can do it yeah. <laughs> I mean if I just like ignore all of my family and friends for three days I t can totally do it oh yeah totally what else is Labor Day weekend for <laughs> yeah I'm kidding. <laughs> for anyone who for anyone who, who got upset. Anyway, um so I've I've been reading a lot lately, but I've been reading lots of different things and I'm also trying to finish rereading it before the movie comes out next week, so hmm. I don't have quite as long a list of um of mystery novels that have been finished or started. However, I did finish reading IQ by Joe E. Day, which I know I talked about on the last episode. I really enjoyed it. I really, I actually enjoyed it more than I was expecting to. This was kind of a book that I picked up because I knew, I knew it was, it was a, it was a popular debut. Um, I can't remember if it was, a, it was a debut. I know it's the beginning of the series and I knew a lot of people had talked about it. So I was like, well, you know, I'll read it and give it, give it a shot, see what we think. I loved it. It was so interesting I know, Rincey, I think I remember you mentioning that IQ, the main character, was was a really, really interesting, interesting person. And I totally agree with that 100%. This guy is, he's flawed, but he's got this, and he has, he kind of has experience in some criminal activities, but he's got a really strong moral center. He's super smart, but he's also, you know, he he doesn't really like to... 
he likes to operate alone. He saw he starts solving these cases for for people that ne- that basically need help. Uh, they need they need help, but they can't pay for it. So he takes on the, these bigger, high pro- higher profile cases for people who can pay him. And the case that he takes on is he there's a a rapper who is he's struggling with alcoholism and drug abuse and depression and he refuses to come out of his house he refuses to to record a new album because he thinks someone's trying to kill him he was at, uh, attacked by a giant dog and there are all of these these outrageous things happening and so IQ has to basically he has to go into this with very little to go on. No one really knows knows much about what's going on. Everyone just kind of wants to get him into the studio so everyone can start making money and there might be someone working on the inside. So he doesn't really have a whole lot of information to work with. And so he uses he's very much like a like a gritty modern day Sherlock Holmes kind of deducing information from the from his surroundings and he's such a smart character and it's it's just fascinating. It's like yeah, it's a really gritty urban mystery, and I know the second book is going to be coming out next month or the month after. The second book's coming out soon, so I'm not typically a series reader, but I think I will definitely have to pick that one up. And again, that was IQ by Joe E. Day, and then I just started reading The Dry by Jane Harper, which was came out earlier this year. A bunch of people said it was really interesting. I think I heard some people compare it to Tana French, who is, of course, you know, one of my one of my absolute favorite mystery authors. And it's it's set in Australia. It deals with a long um, with a with a long ago uh, murder and or there's a modern day murder that brings up secrets from a death from like 20 years previously. And there's all kinds of personal secrets going on and it's really atmospheric and you feel like you're in the dry Australia heat. And it just sounds really interesting. I'm only, I'm only maybe 30 pages into it, but the writing style is just so interesting. So I'm really excited to, to keep going with this one. So again, that is the dry by Jane Harper. I haven't heard of that one at all, so I'm really interested to hear what you end up thinking about that one. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was another one that Jamie really really liked. Um, but I had it, I had it on my list for a while, and also I ended up with my own copy of this book because earlier this year, when my boyfriend Blaine and I were in Madison for a weekend, we went to uh, we went to the that mystery bookstore that you mentioned on the last podcast, and I was looking at the book. I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, I've already got a stack of books. I don't know if I should get this one, but it just sounds like ton of friends. French, and he bought it for me because he said, if it's Town of French, or if it's similar to Town of French, you need to read it and I'll, I'll get it for you. And that was how I knew he was the one. Because <laughs> he, buy, he buys me books in mystery bookstores. That's a pretty, pretty great boyfriend to have. I will say that. Yeah, we, we do lots of book dates. But anyway, that's so I'm, I'm reading that one. I will definitely let you know how it is when I finish. All right. Um, And I believe that that's our show. So thanks so much to everyone for listening to this episode. Um, If you are looking for links to any of the articles that we talked about at the top of the show, um, there'll be links to all of the different um, author stories that we um, discussed. So you guys can check those out if you are interested in more information. Um, There will also be links to all of the different books that we talked about in this episode. So you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen, and there will be a list 
of all of our podcasts and you can click on the Red or Dead podcast and you'll see the show notes for this episode as well as all of the other episodes. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can discover our podcasts. Uh, feel free to leave any comments that you have about the show there as well. Um, if you would like to talk to us about this episode or any of the other episodes, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at A. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. All right. And then we will talk to you guys in the next episode. See ya. Bye.